Flyers Daily with Jason Mertidis. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 2nd of March, Thursday, uh, 2023. Jason Mertidis and the Flyers fall in overtime against the New York Rangers. Flyers overtime on the year, 1-10. and 10. It's been a huge issue in the three-on-three overtimes for the Flyers, and uh, they end up getting a goal from Vladimir Tarasenko, who is able to knock it off the very top part of Carter Hart's pad. It's actually the outer roll because he's in the butterfly, deflects it up and into the net as uh, Rasmus Ristolainen tries to get a stick in there but unable to do so, and the Rangers get the 3-2 win. of What was a pretty darn exciting hockey game, very tight hockey game. A bit back and forth, Rangers got off to a great start in the game. They opened the scoring just 251 in on the power play. Mika Zibanejad gets a pass from Tarasenko. He slams it home, put the Rangers up one to nothing. Power play goal. Zibanejad's 32nd of the season. Flyers would answer later in the period at 1505 when Owen Tippett on a Flyer power play, their third of the period, uh, put the goal in past Igor Shosturkin, and the Flyers get the score tied at one, and that's how we'd end the first period. That goal still being listed. At the time of recording here is unassisted. We'll see if a couple of assists get added to that. Rasmus for Salina kind of pokes that out to the slot area where Tippett jumps on it and puts it in behind Shesterkin. And just prior to that, before Fox was involved there too, so maybe that's what kind of mitigates the assists on the play. Uh, but also before that, the puck touches Elliot Denoye, who in his second NHL game had some really good shifts in the game, especially in that second period. I thought he was really sharp and moving the puck well in the offensive zone, getting in on the forecheck, good reads and when to attack and when to kind of fall into a gap and thought he looked really good in the game uh, as well. Uh, So 1-1 after one, Flyers gain the lead, second period, 11-16 in. Beautiful move by Scott Lawton down low. Igor Shosturkin as Lawton comes from kind of the corner and below the goal line. And as Lawton is coming out, Shosturkin's a very active goaltender, uh, in the crease beyond just making saves. He's a guy that loves to get out and play pucks and plays it extremely well, oftentimes kind of starting the breakout, acting as a third defenseman. you got to be careful in your dump-ins on Shesterkin because he can just get the puck right back up the ice quickly. And then the other area is he's really aggressive with his stick in trying to you know, mute plays, pucks, and using the poke check to try and prevent players coming from below the goal line into the front of the net. He kind of goes for a poke check, almost half-hearted, on Scott Lawton. That gets a, the, the stick down by the knob for him and kind of throws him off a little bit in his post lean. And he's a little bit flat, and Lawton comes around, kind of backs then in with that left-hand shot and sees a little tiny window open right next to the right ear of Igor Shosturkin. And Lawton finds that spot, roofs it, puts the Flyers up 2-1 to one in the game. So they go to the third period with the lead. 10-33 into the third, though. Chris Kreider picks up a redirect goal out in front on the shot from Vladimir Tarasenko. And the game is tied at 2. No one else scores in regulation. We head to overtime. Flyers had the puck a little bit in the beginning of the overtime. But then at 2.32 of the overtime, after a pretty extended possession by the New York Rangers, Vladimir Tarasenko is able to beat Carter Hart, and that is the game winner, 3-2 the final. Now, first and foremost, you got you guys all know, I do not like the three-on-three overtime, and it has nothing to do 
with the fact that the Flyers' record is 1-10. The reason I don't like it was because of exactly what you saw in this hockey game, in the overtime. When the 3-on-3 first came in, there was a spirit to the 3-on-3. It was up and back and trading odd man rushes. It was a two-on-one at one end, a save, and then a two-on-one at the other end, or uh, a two-on-zero. A lot of overtimes didn't even get to the two-minute mark because it was just high-quality back-and-forth odd man rushes. But then coaches got involved. They learned that possession is the key, and you saw what you saw in this overtime for about a minute forty-five. Of the Rangers going into the zone, not really liking what they see, eh, let's back back out. The Rangers going into the zone, back back out. And it becomes this tedious process to me that looks nothing, nothing like the sport of hockey. Now, you could put some rules in, like make it a backcourt rule that if you take the puck out of the zone on purpose, it's like a backcourt rule in the NBA, it transfers possession to the other team. That seems kind of Mickey Mouse to me as well. But... It's just, it's not entertaining. It's not an entertaining form of hockey to watch, even if your team wins, when it just backs out of the zone, okay, blah, 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 and eventually you go in and you score. Or eventually the other team gets the puck, and then they do the same thing. It is not entertaining. Um, I think it's lame. Maybe it's the best way to put it. And I mentioned that on the postgame show. That, again, it's not about the Flyers being 1-10 this season in overtime. Not having, you know, the proper pieces for overtime. I mean, they went through a whole five-minute overtime against a team that I think has the best three players you could put on the ice in a three-on-three overtime in the NHL right now. Maybe ever. With Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and whoever the heck else you want to put out there for Edmonton. And then they got all the way through it and got Edmonton to a shootout, and they won in the shootout. But it is, there's... Just no entertainment value to it. And I get this tweet from uh, at 212 underscore view. And he says, I agree with what you said about making, keeping away, keep away, making the three on three boring. So here's my proposal. First of all, don't switch ends because they do switch ends like it's a second period in the overtime. Therefore, you have the long change. And that's why teams pull it out so they can change while they have possession and the other team that's defending on the long change can't. And you can catch tired legs out there. He said, teams are getting far fewer shots and it's become about possession. One of the main reasons is because of the long change. He goes on to say, it makes it easier for the offensive team to keep the defensive team hemmed in and still change at will without letting the other team change. And it's slowing down OT and creating fewer chances and hence Team's not trading chances. He said his proposal, instead of the Mickey Mouse backcourt rule like you'd have in the NBA, is to keep team teams at the same end of the ice as they are at the end of regulation. That way the offensive team has to keep pressure on if they want to keep the other team from changing. Fresher legs equal more chances. And I'm not sure of this guy's name at 212 underscore view. It's, an, it's a great first step. Totally agree with you. It could change the dynamic from the boring possession, back the puck out, drag this thing into the mud possession game to more chances. And then maybe I can get on board seeing what happens there. I still don't like three on three because it's so rare that it can actually happen. And I I don't like the shootout. 
Maybe I'm a dinosaur. I don't know. I don't know what's so horrible about a tie. But I know people pay money. They go. They want, they want to have a resolution. They want to have a win or a loss. You know, you don't want the innocuous tie. But moving, not moving, changing ends and having it the same as the first and third period could be a good solution to the problem. It's something that at minimum should be investigated. So great suggestion view from Section 212. We appreciate it uh, here on Flyers Daily. I hope the NHL is listening because I'd love to see them do that as well. Now, John Tortorella spoke after the loss. And, you know, this is an interesting press conference. There's a couple things. Oh, I'm going to say something before the press conference, and I want to comment on something after. But we're going to pick up the press conference. He's already been asked a question talking about the team's play, blah, blah, blah. And then he's asked a question about, I think by Charlie O'Connor, asking a question about the team's effort. And when Torts first starts to speak in his second appearance on this postgame presser, I think that he got a little, dare I say, emotional, a little choked up because he says that he wants so bad for a different result for the players because he knows how hard they're working. He knows that they're undermanned that they're in a gunfight with a butter knife on a lot of nights. And you're facing a New York Rangers team that's got a lot of weapons. They're going to have another one in Patrick Kane. He wasn't there last night. But they added Tarasenko, who was the number one star of the game. Tarasenko was great in the game. And New York is in a far different place than the Flyers are. And the Flyers got a long way to go. But Torts knows how hard those guys are working in these games. And for them to kind of see the same result despite working their tail off, it can be defeating to a player, to a coach. And he wants that for his guys because he cares about them. So listen to that first answer about that, where him wanting a different result for his players. And let me know on Twitter, at Jason Mert. You can DM me. You can tweet me. You can always email me, jason.mertitas at gmail.com. Let me know if you picked up on him getting a little emotional. I asked Bill Meltzer about it after the press conference as we were walking down the hall, and he picked up on it as well. And, you know, Torts, right now, he he wants to be with his guys and wants to see them get some reward for their work. But he knows that they're a team that can't make any mistakes because they're not going to outscore their mistakes. So I think it's really important, you know, that – People understand that and that he's gutted for his players. So that's the first thing I want you to listen for. And then at the very end, the last question, it's kind of a follow-up question on something that Jordan Hall asked, asked Torts about the Ranger fans in the building. And I'll comment on that on the other side. But here's John Tortorella after the overtime loss against the Rangers. You just sense, looks like it was going to be the another five minutes of the third period of Jersey. But I give our guys a lot of credit in regrouping and uh, finding a way. Stayed with it, played a really good second period as far as our forechecking. Uh, I thought we played a really good game. You've talked a lot the last couple of days about the idea of playing for pride. Obviously, you guys know the playoffs aren't going to happen, but how important was this game to you to tell you about these guys, whether they are going to play for pride the rest of the way? Yeah, to me, it's it's not so much about me. It, it It's about the teammates telling one another how we're going to go about this and not through words, but through action. And 
Um, they played hard. They were going to work on the checking part of the game because we're going to have to because we just don't score a bunch of goals. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm just so pissed off for them. I just want to see them maybe once or twice here get rewarded. And uh, uh, but dust yourself off. Got Tampa, Carolina, Pittsburgh. They're coming. We just got to keep on working on the our checking and away from the puck. Uh, it's something we're going to zero in on here because we just simply have to play that way. John, you've said recently with Travis out that Owen's going to need to be possibly one of your game-breaking type of forwards. He had a game where he does get a goal, but also had a lot of quality scoring chances. What did you see from him? I, I think if he hits the net, he has maybe one or two more. Um, but he, you could sense uh, um, he was free, he was playing, he was looking at me, wanting to play more. Um, yeah, it, it, I've said it to you all year long, it's an encouraging sign with that kid as, as far as what he's going to be for this team. John, when you talk about checking away from the puck, do you, do you find that it's better in certain parts of the ice than in others? Well, ch checking, it's a real general term. Uh, Checking for me, the first thing we have to, a little subheading of it, is our reloads. And that's being above the puck and not giving up odd man rushes. I, I, I thought the strongest part of our game tonight was the defensemen seeing that we're above the puck so they can pinch, especially in the second period. It's probably our best period as far as pinches in quite a while. Our defense were pinching down to the hash mark uh, because they could see people reloading. That, that, that's a part of checking. and. Uh, I thought our decision making at the blue line, uh, uh, which is very important for us this time of year, was really good. It's going to have to continue to be good uh, because we just can't we can't let teams that we're playing and where we're at as a team play at 140 feet. It's got to be at 200. So that that's the mindset to me of checking. Going back to the concept of playing for pride, Scott Lawton is someone who we've talked about in his leadership throughout the season on and off the ice. How much does not only his goal but just kind of his presence help? In that regard, yeah, yeah, he 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 drags people into it, and uh, he, he was vocal tonight. Uh, lots isn't going to change. It doesn't matter if you're playing a a pickup game. He's going to compete, and uh, th those are the type of people we need to drag everybody in as we keep playing these games. And uh, I think it's it's part of his responsibility now to make sure people are accountable and. Uh, and he certainly was tonight. Going back to Pippen for a second, you said he's looking at you, he wants to go and work. That's the confidence that you want to see from him. That, yeah. That, how, how have you seen that grow as the season's going on? He's gotten used to how you want him to play and how he needs to play. The yeah, yeah, with him, it, it, I, I think sometimes the, the thing we have to get through and work through with Tip is when it's there, it's there. And when it isn't, it isn't. Uh, we, we've got to get that more, well, I shouldn't say more, because it's been consistent. I, I just want him, uh, I want him to have that attitude all the time. Uh, quiet kid, uh, very coachable. Uh, I, want, I want him to be looking at me all the time, wanting to go. And uh, I think that's going to be very important for his next step of development. One or two more. We've talked about you learning about your team in, in meaningful games. Obviously, the games aren't as meaningful now, but the building definitely had a buzz to it with Rangers fans. Do you feel like you can learn about guys in this type of environment? Yeah, I, I, I saw some really good things with some guys tonight. I saw some things that I'm not sure uh, where it's at. 
So it's my job. I, I need to evaluate. Uh, every, every time we put the uniform, I'm going to coach to try to, to help them win, but I also have to evaluate. And uh, it's going to be a very important few weeks here for a few people. Barry hasn't scored in about five or six weeks, but did you think tonight he took a positive step? He seemed more active. More active, yeah. Uh, I, I think uh, little by little his game's coming back. Uh, had the puck more. Um, like to see him score a goal and hope maybe that helps him. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I thought our team played hard. I thought they played the right way they needed to tonight. We just played well enough to lose. Last one. Kind of as a follow-up to what Jordan asked about the crowd. You've talked about wanting to play meaningful games. It was no secret tonight that there were a lot of Rangers fans mm -hmm. in the building. I guess, what does that mean to you in terms of like your team having to respond to not necessarily having the building behind them because of where you guys stand? Yeah, well, that, that we make our own bed. You know, we need to get this the right direction where uh, maybe someday those tickets are hard to get by, you know, to come by. Uh, but don't don't blame anybody else. Blame us. This is this is what we've made here. And uh, hopefully along the way we get this turned around. I'm not sure when. Uh, but but get it back to where that's a tough ticket. And, and uh, maybe the Ranger fans just aren't allowed in the building because we, we have filled it with our people. Not there yet, obviously. But no one, I, I'm not blaming the fans. I'm not blaming anybody else except us and the organization. We make our own bed here. And where we're at, it's up for us to get out of it. All right, there he is, head coach John Tortorella, discussing the overtime loss against the Rangers. I swear, listening to it again, he gets, he gets a little emotional there. A little of a bite your lip moment. And that's good to see. Some people said John that John Tortorella wasn't human. I think he is. Um, the thing at the end, he's asked about, you know, the Ranger fans being in the building and you know, this is you uh, don't blame the fans. This is something that we have to take care of. That the team, this is a bed that they've created and they have to sleep in it right now. But they have to you know, it's going to take some time to move forward. Doesn't want to set a timeline, but that this, you know, having all those Ranger fans in the building is a byproduct of some seats being available. And there was a lot in the building. There were a lot of Ranger fans there. If it wasn't 50-50, I don't know. It created an interesting dynamic between the two fan bases in what was a very tight hockey game. But it's a dynamic I would like to not see going forward. But again, it's not the fans' fault. And Torts made sure to state that. That this is something that the the bed that the organization has made and that they have to figure it out to make sure that going forward that that's not a possibility. That those seats are not available because a Flyer fan is sitting in them. I thought that was a great, almost drop-your-mic moment from John Tortorella. Interesting game last night. We don't like the result. We don't like the end result. A 3-2 OT loss, but interesting game last night on a lot of different levels. Now, coming up tomorrow is the NHL trade deadline. Flyers, so far, it looks like they've been sitting this one out. I don't know if I'm recording this at 11.44 on Wednesday night. Something could change. We'll see where things go from here. But trade deadline, we're getting down to crunch time here. Will the Flyers make a move? Will they make a significant move? 
Will it just be expiring contracts? We're seeing other names out there. Darren Dreger reported about Ivan Provorov's name being out there. We've seen reports from Frank Saravalli about Kevin Hayes and others. So we'll see where it goes. And uh, we will talk about anything that does happen on a brand new Flyers Daily coming up tomorrow. So everybody, enjoy your Thursday. Flyers won't be back in action until Sunday at 6 when they take on the Detroit Red Wings. But we'll be back tomorrow with another brand new Flyers Daily. (laughs) 